Well, you know, praise God. Uh, Pastor Gary, and of course I can say Pastor David too because he's been pastoring. They've both started churches and mini churches. And But in 2004, us three went to uh, Thailand, Singapore, Indonesia, and Australia together. And... Uh, Going and doing, we started Rama Indonesia t- together, and it was a uh, tremendous blessing with these guys. They were doing doing everything. I was just going along to actually carry their coats. That was my job, and that's what I was wanting to do. <laughs> and uh, uh, it was uh, such a unique experience to to watch and see the anointing upon their lives. And uh, you know, I'm going to talk about uh, Gary, who's my friend, and you know, we go way back. To 1978, when we were hauling furniture for Fred Taylor Furniture while we were going to school together, and uh, he was in Bixby and I was in Broken Arrow, so we working together, you know, different things. So, hallelujah! <laughs> Before we were even married to any of our spouses, there, so it was like crazy. But, anyways, uh, you know, there are certain folks that uh, God uses around the world to do things. And even though he's a pastor, but he's, he's a really an apostle of God uh, to change nations. And he's changed nations with the word of faith and the, with the word of God and with schools all over the world. And, uh, uh, you know, I probably would forget a few if I was going to say how many that he's done. Uh, he's pioneered churches and he's pioneering another church now just because he, I, I don't know why, but he's doing it. No, because God told him to. We know why he's doing it and being a blessing. And so uh, I really appreciate uh, the ministry gift that he is. Uh, he was the dean of Rama Bible College uh, for several years, an instructor, uh, ministering there, as was uh, Dave Beebe was the, an instructor there, ministering and sharing. Uh, Dave was my boss because he was the, the national director for Rama Ministerial Association International, so he could have he fired me, taken my credentials and done some good, you know, but, but I always liked him, so he, he liked me, so it was good. And they're, they are both two of the most gifted teachers I know. They really are. So you're going to get really blessed this morning. Say, well, you're giving them really high accolades. Well, I am because they're, they're, they're that special of folks. Uh, and I love them dearly. And uh, I appreciate them. I appreciate anybody that's been in ministry as long as I have or more. And uh, uh, that's actually still happy. <laughs> Amen. So I want you to give them a good, warm Harvest Bible Church welcome. Pastor girl, come on up here, buddy. Thanks, <laughs> Mark. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be here with you. Uh, not quite what you should say after that introduction, but uh, <laughs> other than uh, Mark and I are about the same age. He might be a little younger than I am, so uh, it is uh, really an honor to be here with you. Uh, again, uh, it's been several years since we've been here, but great honor, and your pastors, uh, we appreciate them so much asking us to come and be a part of this service, and uh, it's great to have my good friend, Brother Dave, uh, along with me. We enjoy each other's company, which is important, and uh, I love his sense of humor, so we get along great, and uh, it's great to have him, and we appreciate your pastors inviting both of us to come, Uh, and I think it, not since Australia, probably, we all ministered. We were together probably like that. So it's good to see uh, 
Bo and Kathy Lowe as well. We've known them for, I can't remember what year. Graduated 94. 94. So it's been a few years. So it's great to see them. They look the same to me. Have not changed. I think we all kind of age together. That helps. So uh, it's great to see all of you. Uh, my wife sends her greetings as well. Uh, she was back in San Antonio, and as your pastor said, we're helping Pioneer Church in San Antonio, which we didn't think we would be doing, but we're doing. Uh, during COVID, we were overseas for 15 years, living in China for uh, about 10 to 12 years working there. Uh, and we left Van or Hong Kong and went to Vancouver to help with the Chinese church. Uh, and then after that, uh, uh, the pandemic hit, COVID hit, that limited what we could do overseas, and so I had some time on my hands. So the Lord said, hey, why don't you pioneer a church? Okay. And so uh, that's what we're doing, and we're in San Antonio, uh, just outside of San Antonio in a small town called Bernie, Texas. Anyone here from Texas? Oh, where are you from? San Antonio. So you know where Bernie is. All right. Well, great. So... Uh, it's great to be here with you. Again, I, as I said, my wife sends her greetings. Tomorrow we'll celebrate 41 years uh, together. And she has been very faithful to follow me around the world uh, and live in some very interesting situations. Uh, Amen. That's true. A lot of different ones. So I appreciate her greatly. Uh, we have one son, and uh, more importantly, we have two grandsons. How many grandparents do we have? Oh, yeah. See, the faces light up when you talk about grandkids. You can't just skip over your kids to grandkids. I don't, it doesn't work that way. But grandkids are special, right? Any great-grandparents? Wow. Wow, that is awesome. I'm not there yet. So uh, I don't know. Is it greater than being a grandparent? Yes. Wonderful. Well, if the Lord tarries, his coming, my oldest grandson's 13, so I have a few years. He's just turning 13. So uh, the other one just turned eight, so they're fun. Uh, we enjoy them greatly. So it's great to be here. This is a wonderful church. I feel at home already. Uh, as your pastor said, we've had the privilege of being in several countries, six different countries we've lived in, uh, and uh, pioneered in... Uh, Bangkok, Thailand, uh, three churches here in the U.S., and then one in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Uh, and so we've lived literally in, in six different nations, the longest being in China for about 10 years uh, inside China, still doing some work in China. What we're doing right now currently is uh, offering resources to uh, pastors and church leaders through an online program called flpchinese.org. Com. And uh, that site offers free downloadable resources, a lot of Brother Hagin's books translated into Chinese, uh, healing scriptures in Chinese, uh, some other authors are on there as well. Just launched a YouTube channel uh, for Brother Hagin's videos that are transcribed, uh, voiceovered into Chinese. And uh, our latest project we're just working on right now is audiobooks. We just finished our first audiobook, The New Birth. And we have uh, an aggressive goal of having about 30 different titles in audiobook form. And so we're working on that right now. There's, uh, we've had over 90, 
5,000 downloads in the last year uh, in China. Uh, some of the number one downloads are the Bible way to receive the Holy Spirit, uh, divine healing, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, believers of the authority, of course, is always near the top. Uh, but it's amazing, the last uh, several months, gifts of the Holy Spirit and the Bible way to receive the Holy Spirit are the number one downloads. So that's quite interesting. Uh, we have, unfortunately, a lot of our pastors in uh, China are not able to operate, have public services right now. Uh, even small groups, uh, as little as two or three people uh, in some of our regions that we work cannot uh, gather together. Uh, that's not due to COVID, that's due to other restrictions uh, that the government has placed on the church. Uh, so we were able to work during a period of time that was quite free uh, from 2007 till about 2018 or so in that period of time. It was fairly open and free. As a matter of fact, in uh, most of the underground churches that we worked in, we didn't call them underground, house churches, they were very visible and we were able to minister openly in some of those churches. Uh, with our Bible schools, we had to be a little bit mobile uh, and could not operate or stay in one area for longer than about two weeks. That was maximum. We tried three weeks, and we always had problems. We had problems with the, the authorities and other issues, so we'd have to uh, move those around a little bit. But uh, over the course of about seven or eight years, I think we've had over... Almost 400 people go through that program, and uh, the majority of them are still working in some form in the churches uh, in northeast China, primarily northeast China, from Heilongjiang province down to uh, the Beijing area. And so uh, it's a big nation. Uh, if you're following statistics, India has just passed uh, China this year in population. So India now is number one. Uh, most populated country in the world. China's uh, right behind them. So between India and China, you have uh, almost 3 billion people. And so the earth, the population of the earth is about uh, 8 billion, uh, somewhere in there. So you have 3 billion in two, two nations of the world. Think about that. What a tremendous opportunity to harvest. Amen? So I want to get right into the message here this morning and share with you some things that I've been praying about, thinking about, uh, and every, every place that I go, I try my best to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit for that particular service. Uh, and so that's what I want to share with you. So let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for this church, Harvest Bible Church, what you're doing through this church in this area of the U.S. and around the world. We're thankful for a church and pastors and leadership who have a world vision. And Father, we thank you that you're working through this church and you will continue to work through this church, making it a light, Father, to this area and beyond. We thank you that the Word of God is going forth. And Father, today we look to the Holy Spirit to help us. We thank you, Father, for utterance and we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you open them with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 18. I wish I had time to read all of the previous verses, but we're, we're going to focus on verse 18 this morning. 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are what? Temporary. Temporal. But the things which are not seen are what? They're eternal. Notice here, he said, while we look not, the word look in this particular verse, it's an interesting word in the original language, we get the word scope, microscope, from that word. So it's an intense focus. You're focusing your attention on the things that are seen or the things that are not seen. Now, as humans, you know, we have a tendency uh, to accentuate the negative. And, uh, you know, we're a natural, we're, you know, we have two natures. We have a natural nature that we inherit from our parents. And we have a spiritual nature that is inherited from our Heavenly Father. So my natural heritage background uh, is German. My mother's from Germany. My father was a... Uh, as a matter of fact, my father just passed away last month, 96 years of age. Uh, he was a World War II vet. Uh, he went home to be with the Lord without any sickness, any disease, sat down in the chair and went home. <laughs> it's a good way to go. So uh, he married my mother. He was in the war. He married my mother in Germany. And so then they, after two or three years, came back to the States. Uh, so uh, I have a little German heritage in me. And unfortunately, I can find a problem in every solution. That's just my natural nature. My mother would come into our service. We had a a building like this. She'd come in, and and after the service, she'd say, Honey, I just couldn't worship God today because I saw a cobweb (laughs) on the platform in the lights. And I just couldn't worship God. That was my mother. She had a mission from God to remove dirt from the earth. She's in heaven now, and I'm sure she's looking to see if there's anything that can be cleaned or fixed. That was my mother. And so, you know, I have a tendency, if I'm not careful, I have a tendency to look at things... You know, I can, I can see problems, and I, I have solutions for those problems. Uh, whether, you, you know, whether you want them or not, I, I'll give you the solution. That's my natural side. And as humans, we have a tendency sometimes to be a little bit negative and to focus on the negative. Uh, and we focus on what we see because we're influenced by that. But what we see... In this natural world, around us is really being influenced by an unseen world. Either by the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan. Paul said, remember in Ephesians 6.12, he said, uh, we wrestle not, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and powers, the rulers... Of what? The darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. So everything you see in this natural world is being influenced by an unseen world. Now I want to read something to you from, and I don't normally do this, but I want to read a prophecy, a portion, uh, by Kenneth Hagin, 
that was given in 1963. And I want to focus on one statement. And in this prophecy, he said these words, And then I said, O Lord, do we have nothing to look forward to in the future except the darkness, the blackness, war, destruction, and evil? Then he said, this is the Lord speaking to him, Son of man, forget not your text, for you look at the things not seen. So then I looked into the spirit realm, and I saw falling upon that map a ball of fire from heaven. The closer to the earth, the bigger it got. Then when it came to the earth, it divided into small balls or sparks of fire and fell upon men. And I saw an army of men rise up. It seemed as though their hands were fire, and there sat upon their heads a tongue of fire. When I first saw it, I thought their whole head was fire, but it was a tongue of fire, tongues of fire leaping. I said, what meaneth this? And he said, before the worst shall come and the day of darkness shall come, there shall go those who shall carry the fullness of my truth and the fire not only to the states of this nation, but to many other places. For there is a work that must be done first spiritually before the Lord shall come. And that's the statement I want to focus on. There must be a work that must be done first. It is a spiritual work before the Lord shall come. Now, I'm not suggesting that we put our faith in prophecies, not at all. Uh, especially, you know, anything that's given by a man, we have to evaluate that in the light of what God's Word says. We always judge everything by what the Bible says. Amen? Amen. And we also have to judge, based on what, what is said, what the Holy Spirit is witnessing to our spirit. So I'm not, indic- you know, uh, uh, suggesting that we follow prophecies. However, sometimes when the Spirit of God speaks, we need to evaluate it in the light of what the Word of God says and what the Spirit of God is saying to us as a church. So, there must be a spiritual work before the Lord shall come. And that's what I'm interested in, because I'm interested in the Lord coming back. Anyone else interested? Hopefully before April 15th. I don't know how that works with the Jewish calendar. But hopefully before that date, that's income tax day if you don't know. (laughs) All right, if you have your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 1. I want to look at this quickly. Turn turn with me quickly to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Notice here, Jesus is speaking to His disciples just before His ascent into heaven. And this is after His crucifixion, his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven the first time, to place his blood in heaven on the eternal mercy seat and obtain redemption for us. He then descended immediately after that into the upper room, you remember in John 20, in Luke chapter 24. And he spoke to his disciples, he breathed on them and said what? Receive Receive the Holy Spirit. That's when they were born again. And then he said, do not leave Jerusalem. Tarry or wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And so that was about 
This was about 10 days before what we refer to the Jewish feast of the day of Pentecost. So 10 days before the day of Pentecost, he ascended into heaven and the disciples watched him ascend into heaven. Now notice these words. These are really the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before his ascension into heaven. And in verse 4, being assembled together with them, he commanded them. Notice that. Wasn't a suggestion. He commanded them what? Not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for what? The promise of your father, which he said, you have heard from me. And here's the promise. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Notice that. So here Jesus is talking about a spiritual work. But the disciples are still thinking naturally. They're still going by what they see. They're still moved by the things around them in the natural world. Isn't that right? Because at this time, Israel is occupied. They're occupied by the Romans. They're under Roman rule, not their own rule, Roman rule. And they've been under Roman rule for a while. And so they're interested in their deliverance naturally and reestablishing their nation politically and having Jesus rule and deliver them from their oppressors. That's what they're interested in. That's primary on their mind. If you, if you get around people long enough, whatever is in, the, in a person's heart, whatever they're thinking about will eventually come out of their mouth. Whatever the priority is, is going to come out of their mouth eventually. So the disciples, their number one priority at this point was deliverance from the nation of Israel. Their oppressors, a change of world order, a change of natural government from Roman government back to what they understood as Israel being their own kingdom again. So notice here what Jesus said. Jesus responded in verse 7, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons, and this is in, re- in reference to, you understand, Israel being delivered from their oppressors and being reestablished. Everything that God promised them in the Old Testament coming back into restoration. Now, let me just uh, stop right there for a moment. What causes a lot of confusion when it comes to the Lord coming back, and I want to talk about that in just a moment. <clears throat> and, you know, I've been hearing this for, I'm not going to say how many years, but many years, over 40. And, uh, you know, many, many individuals that we respect who are no longer here all believe Jesus would come in their lifetime. Come on now. Amen. And I'm believing for that. may not happen. But it's all right to believe for that. And so, uh, you know, it's interesting because what happens is you have to understand there's a difference. There's a difference in in the coming of Jesus for the church and Jesus coming back for Israel and to set up his kingdom. 
So many scriptures and the majority of the scriptures in the Old Testament pertain to Israel as a nation and the promises God made to Israel as a nation. And many times people try to take those and interpret them in the light of the church. But there was no church age. As a matter of fact, even in the Gospels, there was no church age at that time. Isn't that right? And when the disciples came to Jesus and uh, they said, look at all these buildings and the temple and all of this. And they asked Jesus three questions. When will be the destruction of the temple? When will be the end of the age? And when will you come back? And so he, in chronological order, answered those questions in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. And they had no idea at that point what the church was. Isn't that right? Absolutely no idea what the church was. So there are differences when it comes to a timeline or when it comes to the return of Jesus, how the Holy Spirit reveals things to us concerning Jesus and the church and Jesus and Israel. There's a difference. So we have to be aware of that. Now, here Jesus said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which a father hath put in his own power. So Jesus did not say there would be no restoration of the kingdom of Israel. He simply said that speculation about the date of the restoration was not a priority. Are you out there? was not a priority. What's a priority? He brought them right back to the priority. It's a spiritual work. But you shall receive power, verse 8, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and Stockton, California. The rest of the world, right? The rest of the Gentile world. So this is the progression of the gospel. So we know that Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached just to the, just to the United States of America. No. To who? The whole world, and then the end shall come. So the priority right now for God, because we're living under a dispensation of God's mercy and God's grace He's pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh, right? Not just American flesh, Chinese flesh, Indian flesh, South American flesh, all over the world. He's pouring out His Spirit on all flesh. And the primary purpose of God pouring out His Spirit is the redemption of mankind. For everyone to hear the good news, the gospel. Amen? Now, I know, you know. We'd like to leave this place. We'd like to go, go to heaven, I'm sure, uh, and, you know, get away from everything that we're encountering in the natural world. But there's still people that need to hear the gospel. Amen. Isn't that right? Yes. You probably have family members who need to hear the gospel. And uh, hopefully you want them with you in heaven. You want them with you, amen? Yes, you do. You don't know it, maybe, but you do. We all have family members that could hear the gospel, need to hear the gospel, need to be changed. So turn to James chapter 5 quickly. James chapter 5. So God's plan has not changed for the last 2,000 years. God's not willing that any should perish. 
God's not willing that any should perish. So God's will must become our will. Amen. God's heart is already in us. We already have received the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. We have the nature and the life of God on the inside of us. So we should have the same heart that God has when we look at the world. Amen. I know that's difficult from the natural sometimes. But we can't just live our life looking at the things that are seen and focusing on the things that are seen and experience what God wants us to have. Amen. Because I, I'm, I'm probably one of those individuals, if I just lived my life by what I saw, I would live a very critical and negative life. I could get there quite quickly. Very quickly. Just take your hands off the steering wheel and it, it veers right into the ditch of criticism and negativity. I'm talking about me. I didn't ask about you yet. We'll save the altar call to the end. That's me, okay? I can get there. I have two natures, one from my natural parents and one from God. Jesus said that to Nicodemus. He said, that which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit is spirit. You have two natures. We have to learn to yield to the spiritual nature. And in the spiritual nature, you already have the love of God. You love everyone, you just don't know it. Your head doesn't know it yet. We know we pass from death unto life because what? We love the brethren. Isn't that right? It's our head, it's our human nature that prevents that nature on the inside of us from controlling us. Amen. I mean, there's just certain things in the natural we don't like and we understand. That doesn't mean we hate things, but we just don't prefer them. We know that. But God loves the world. He loves everybody. Amen. Now, James chapter 5 and verse 7, and I look at this verse as probably the clearest indicator of when Jesus will return, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. And you don't really need to have any other interpretation of this verse. Now, when you start reading the book of Revelation, I mean, there's all kinds of things there. And I don't know if anyone fully knows how to interpret all those, you know, uh, types and all of those different uh, illustrations that John used. And a lot of them, you know, are, are, are basically just, uh, you know, they're not necessarily clear things that he's talking about. So there's all kinds of interpretations of those, and some people are probably better at it than others, and I never was one to try to interpret the book, book of Revelation. But this one here is very clear and very plain. Notice what he said, James 5, 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, until what? Huh? Until what? So he's talking about the coming of the Lord, isn't he? He said, be patient. We all need patience for the coming of the Lord. Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. See how the husbandman, and that word... Uh, is a word that they use, they translate it, really means like gardener or farmer. See how the farmer waits for the, what? Precious fruit of the earth. 
waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. So this verse says that Jesus is coming back. Isn't that right? So what is he waiting for? Obviously, he's waiting. He hasn't come back yet. It's been 2,000 years. Is he waiting for, you know, financial collapse? Is he waiting for one country to invade another country? What is he waiting for? He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Amen. Now, we, uh, you live in an area here. I was raised on a farm uh, in Iowa. Uh, But you live in a very fertile valley. You can grow all kinds of things here. (laughs) Amazing area. Uh, And so I noticed flying in, I think you have rice here. Is that right? Notice some rice fields. Uh, You grow a lot of things here. And you know as well as I do that you're not going to have a harvest, any kind of harvest, unless you plant seed. You can have rain. Now, we're in a a dry time in San Antonio, in Texas, as a matter of fact, right where we live, uh, is considered to be extreme drought area. Uh, We have an aquifer underground that we depend on for our water, and that supplies everything from El Paso, Texas, all the way up to Dallas. It's like a crescent underground. And so we're a little bit behind, but we'll get caught up this year on rain. Uh, But without water, nothing grows. And it's been a little bit warm in San Antonio the past few weeks, about 104 to 107, and uh, low humidity and not much rain. About the only things growing there are cedar trees and cactus. We have a lot of cedar trees and a lot of cactus around us. But here, even here, it's dry, right, without irrigation. Uh, I noticed the grass is the same color our grass is. <laughs> but when you irrigate, you look at the fields, it's beautiful. Oh, yes. Amen. Come on. A little water, but you have to have seed. Isn't that right? Yes. Amen. So uh, Charles Finney said, a harvest, a spiritual harvest, and that's what God is waiting for, a worldwide harvest. Not just a harvest in this nation, but all over the world before he comes back. Amen. It is a spiritual work, not just a natural work, but a spiritual work that must be done before Jesus comes back. So then, if we want to harvest in the natural, you have to plant seed, you have to have water. And so the same is true in the spiritual world. Jesus said in Mark's gospel, the fourth chapter, the seed is what? The word. The sower soweth the seed. The seed, he said, is the Word of God. It is eternal. Peter said, being born again, not of incorruptible, or not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the Word of God that liveth and abideth forever. That's how we were born again. That seed produced life in us and is continuing to produce life. And so we know what the seed is. The spiritual seed is the Word of God. And we know that Satan is blinding the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them and they be converted. So he is trying to keep the seed away, the seed from being preached or taught. Then secondly, we must have rain. 
So here James said that he is waiting until we have the early and the latter rain. Now James was raised in Israel, so he understands the seasons there, and he was using a natural illustration to illustrate a spiritual truth. So in Israel they had a rainy season in November into December when they planted the crop, and then there was another rain that came, rainy season, in April into May, March into April, sometimes into May, just before harvest. So that last rain made the crop set on the stock, so to speak, or made it uh, an abundant harvest. So two rains, one when the seed was planted, one just before the seed was harvested. Now he's not talking about a natural rain, he's talking about a spiritual rain, he's talking about a work of the Holy Spirit. So there's a work of the Holy Spirit in planting the seed, and there's a work of the Holy Spirit in harvesting that crop. We have to have both. Yes, amen. Now, I don't have time to talk about it, but there's a great uh, connection between how we pray and how we're led by the Holy Spirit to pray when the seed is planted and when we harvest that seed. There's a connection between those two. If you notice, Paul wrote many times, pray for me, and he said on several occasions that utterance may be given unto me. Or that a door of opportunity opens unto me. Or that I might speak the word of God with boldness. So if Paul needed prayer in those areas, we'd need prayer in those areas. So as a church, we can cooperate and connect together and pray. For those who are preaching and teaching, those who go out and witness, pray for those individuals that they may have boldness to proclaim the Word of God or that doors of opportunity open to them for the gospel to be preached or taught. That seed then is being planted. Paul said, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So the seed has to be planted, then it has to be watered. Now, real quickly, turn over to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. So this is a spiritual work that James is talking about. And this must happen before Jesus comes back. He's waiting for a harvest. And that harvest is a spiritual harvest. It is a worldwide harvest. Amen? Worldwide harvest. So that means he's waiting for a harvest not just here in America or in South America or Central America. He's also waiting for a harvest in Africa. As a matter of fact, right now, God is moving in a great way, spectacular way in Africa and in India. Amazing things are happening in India, North India, in Punjab state. uh, There are churches now that have uh, over 100,000 people coming and just sitting out in the open on ground to listen to the word. They're having amazing testimonies of miracles and signs and wonders and healings. Africa, South Africa, is 41% Christian. By 2050, think about that. By 2050, Africa, at the current rate, will be considered a Christian continent. 51% Christianity. Now, when I was a young boy, just about 20 years ago, I remember... I remember... uh, Africa was the primary place all missionaries focused on. You remember that? 
and all the missions and everything that we heard about was Africa, and it was considered an unreached continent in my lifetime. Think about that. It can go from unreached to reach. Think about that. India, between Africa and India and China, you have almost 4 billion people, over 4 billion people in those three locations, over half of the world's population. What a harvest. What a field. Now, I was raised on a farm. We raised, we didn't raise what you raise here. We raised corn and soybeans, not the corn that you eat, the corn you feed, feed the livestock, and soybeans. And if you drive through Iowa from one side to the other, you'll see corn and soybeans and soybeans and corn and corn and soybeans, pretty much. And that carries over into Illinois and Indiana, pretty much the same. So the number one crop produced in America is what? Corn. Number one. We export more corn around the world than any other product. And so we had, uh, I lived in a township called Canaan Township. And they called it Canaan because it was the richest soil in the entire state of Iowa. And this was years ago. And those of you who know anything about corn, I don't know, I don't want to bore you. But, you know, they changed corn now. It's hybrid. And now they've changed it even more so that it's drought resistant. It's insect resistant. Uh, they just plant it in any particular type of soil, and it will produce a fairly substantial crop. But anyway, years ago, we didn't have all that. And so years ago, this soil would produce 250 bushel an acre corn, which was good back then, and 80 bushels of, of soybean. I'm not, not going to bore you here, okay? Just want to get the point across. <clears throat> well, we had some farmers in my congregation. One year, we had no, no rain. They planted the same seed in the same soil. They barely got 20 bushel an acre corn and hardly nothing from the soybeans. Same seed, same soil. What were they lacking? Rain. So if preaching and teaching the Word of God was all we needed, we wouldn't need the rain of the Holy Spirit. That's why things are dry in some places. Oh, yeah, they're preaching and teaching the word, but there's no rain. What is the rain? It is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. It is gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We have to have the rain. Amen. Thank God for the word. We have to preach and teach the word, but we need the rain. We need a working of the Holy Spirit. Manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Now, notice here in Acts, this will be my, I believe, my last scripture. Acts chapter 4, you know the story. Peter and John in Acts chapter 3 were going to a prayer meeting. They happened to pass by a man who was crippled. And uh, you know the story, he was healed. I like what John Osteen used to say. He was asking for arms and got legs. Just want to make sure you're awake. Now, notice here in uh, Acts chapter 4, after Peter and John were threatened, they went back to their own company and they prayed. And notice what they prayed. And notice here in verse 29, and now, Lord, look on 
their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may what? They may what? They may what? They may sow seed. They may sow seed. Jesus said the word is the seed. Isn't that right? Not just sow seed. Notice they went on to say, by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of the Holy Child Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they assembled shook. That was a manifestation of the corporate anointing. Notice here. We need the preaching and teaching of the word, but we also need rain. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We need a work of the Holy Spirit mixed with the preaching and teaching of the word if we're going to see the kind of harvest that God wants us to see. Amen. Now, real quickly, what caused a sustained move of God in the book of Acts? I'm going to go over these real quickly. Number one, an awareness of the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, a dedication to the teaching of the apostles and the spiritual leaders in the church. Number three, a genuine reverence for God's authority and presence in the local assembly. Number four, a great emphasis was placed on the name of Jesus, both in preaching and teaching and prayer. Number five, an expectation for the supernatural. Number six, an emphasis on missions and evangelism. Number seven, an expectation that Jesus would come back at any moment. And number eight, a demonstration of corporate faith. Now, I want to say this in closing. This is from F.F. Bosworth in his book, Christ the Healer, in reference to Acts chapter 5. Because if you read Acts chapter 4, they prayed what happened in Acts chapter 5. Many signs and wonders were done through the hands of the apostles, insomuch that they brought the sick into the streets that the very shadow of Peter passing over them, they'd be healed. Think about that. Just his shadow. I like what uh, Donald G. said. They had so many manifestations and miracles in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 19, they had to categorize, they had to come up with a new category for special miracles. Done by the hands of Paul. They had so many happening that they had to create a new category for special ones. We need to have some miracles and signs and wonders happening. Huh? Thank God for the preaching and teaching of the word. What brings life to people? It is the supernatural. Amen. We just had, uh, you know, in our church, and we just have a very small group right now, but we have a couple coming, and they're new to, you know, to our message. And so they, uh, the, hu- or the husband of, of this couple, the, the husband, uh, he had a nephew in Washington State in a, in a terrible motorcycle accident. And uh, he was not expected to live. He was comatose. Not expected to live. So we prayed. We agreed together. So he brought a picture back. Last Sunday, and he's sitting up, he's, he's got a cast on some of his limbs because he broke several limbs, but he's sitting up, he's normal, his mind's functioning, nothing wrong with him. Now that got him excited. That got him excited. 
Not only did we preach the word, but he saw a demonstration of God's power. Hallelujah. God's not dead. He's still alive. He's still working. His power is still available. F.F. Bosworth said, it was not the faith, and this is what I want you to get. It was not the faith of a single evangelist that brought, but the faith of the entire company of believers that brought healing to everyone in the streets of Jerusalem after Christ's ascension. Christ's plan to continue his healing ministry during his absence, this was to be accomplished by his whole church, which is his body, not through an obscure member of that body. He said, these signs shall follow them, the church, not him, the individual. Christ had gone away and sent his successor, the Holy Spirit. It was not the faith of a lone or solitary evangelist, that, but that of a spirit-filled church. This brought healing to all the sick in the streets of Jerusalem. Amen. It's not just one individual's faith. It is a corporate faith. If we expect God to move and manifest Himself, He wants to. He's not withholding. If we expect Him to move and manifest Himself in a greater way, that requires all of us together. To join our faith together, our expectation together. And to create an atmosphere that allows Him to manifest Himself in a greater way. Hallelujah. Every member is important. We are not spectators. We are all participants together. Amen? Every single one of you can lay hands on the sick. Every single one of you has the Holy Spirit living on the inside. We all have an individual anointing. When we come together, there is a corporate anointing. It's interesting if you read 1 Corinthians 14, 26. He said, how is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you, Every one of you hath, and he listed several things, every single one of you. So it's interesting that the individual and their family has more impact on what takes place in the church than you realize. They brought with them to church their supply of the Spirit. They didn't get it at church. Yeah, you can But they brought it with them because they were doing what Paul encouraged them to do, and that is to maintain the Spirit-filled life. That's done outside of church. Amen. No, church is a time for us to all come together, bring our supply, listen to the Holy Spirit, hear hear what the Word of God is saying unto us, and then act on that and go out and take that Word and take that life and take that power and be a blessing to someone. Amen. That's church. Amen. We come to receive, to be encouraged, to share with one another. There is a mutual faith. There is a mutual anointing and expectation. Hallelujah. And then we go out and just touch people with God's life and His power. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to do this. Let's stand up together. And we're going to pray together corporately. And then pastor is going to come.
Let's pray corporately here. All of us lift our voice like they did in the early church. Let's pray for an outpouring of the Spirit of God for rain to fall. Now, we're not going to pray for ourselves only because that would be selfish. And God's not going to hear a selfish prayer. If you only pray for yourself and your own family, your prayers are not going to be heard. That's selfish. God's not going to hear a selfish prayer. Like Brother Hagin said, you might as well just twiddle your thumbs and say, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Come on now. It's God first, others second, self last. That's the gospel. God first, others second, self last. Amen. He must increase, I must decrease. Are you listening? When you begin to pray for others, that's when God begins to move in your life. Because there's no selfishness at all in that prayer whatsoever. You're concerned about other people, other individuals, other churches. And we're concerned for other churches. Right? We're concerned for other churches to grow and to prosper and to be blessed. Because when the spiritual tides rise, every boat floats. So when the spiritual tides come up, it affects everyone in a positive way. So we're going to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit right now in other nations, around the world, as well as this nation. But we're going to pray for an outpouring to send the rain. So, Father, let's do that. Father, we lift our voices to you right now in the name of Jesus. We come together as a church family. Oh, Father, we thank you for this church, Harvest Bible Church. We thank you. But we lift our voice now as the early church. And, Father, we pray. Pray as Zechariah said, ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So shall the Lord make bright clouds and give them showers of blessing to everyone grass in their field. Oh, Lord, we ask you to send the rain. Send the rain of the Spirit of God. An outpouring of the Holy Spirit on every nation. Send the rain, Lord, on Africa. Send the rain on India. Send the rain on China. Send the rain on the Middle East. Every nation, Father. Oh, we ask you, send the rain, an outpouring, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Oh, an outpouring, Father, send the rain, send the rain, Lord, of your Spirit. An outpouring, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in a greater way than ever before, Father. (coughs) Father, we pray for an outpouring of your Spirit, not just on those nations, but every nation, including this nation, including Stockton including, Father, this whole area of California, the whole state of California, the whole nation of America, and Central and South and all all of the countries, Father, and the North American continent, Father. We thank you. We pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Oh, send the rain, Lord. Send the rain. Send the rain, Father. The rain of the Holy Spirit upon the Word of God, upon the seed that has been planted. Father, we pray now for that outpouring. We thank you for sending that rain, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Heavenly Father. Oh, we thank you, Father. Oh, Father, we thank you for a harvest, a spiritual harvest around the world. A spiritual harvest around the world, Father. Thank you for sending the rain. 
Thank you for gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the liberty of the Holy Spirit to move and manifest Himself as He wills. Oh, Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for it, Father. We give you praise and glory and honor for it. We lift up your name today. We magnify your name, Jesus. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Oh, Father, you're worthy. We thank you, Father. We thank you for sending the rain. Hallelujah. That signs and wonders may be be done, Father, by the stretching forth of your hand to heal. Signs and wonders be done, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. If there's anyone here this morning, you're not born again. You're not a child of God. You've never, ever prayed and made Jesus the Lord of your life. If you've never done that, I want to pray with you right now. If there's anyone here this morning or anyone listening, there's anyone you've never prayed and asked Jesus to become the Lord of your life. You're not sure if you were to die today that you would spend eternity with God in heaven. You can be sure. John said, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God has not life. He said, these things have I written unto them that believe on the name of the Son of God that they may know that they have life. So if you've never ever prayed and asked Jesus to come into your heart, make him Lord of your life and Savior of your life. Let me see your hand right now. I'll pray with you right where you're standing. Anyone here this morning? You've never prayed. You've never asked Jesus to become your Lord. I want to look one more time. One more time. All right, look up here at me. Who is it this morning? You have right now, I want to to see your hand. You have a pain in your body right now. You have something in your body that you've been battling. All right, keep your hands up. We're going to pray. Keep your hands up. I want us all to pray in agreement together because there is power in united prayer. James said, pray one uh, one for another that you may be healed. Healing belongs to us. Amen. All right, let's pray together. Father, right now you see every hand raised. Right now in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your healing power, your anointing. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all, all, all who were oppressed of the enemy. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we command every person their bodies to be healed in the name of Jesus, to pain, for pain to leave them, sickness to leave them, symptoms to leave their body right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, we receive health and healing right now. Right now. Right now. Hallelujah. Now lift your hands up and thank Him for it. Father, we thank You. We praise and magnify and glorify you that your healing power is working right now. It's working right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for health and healing. Thank you, Father. No more pain, no more sickness, no more disease. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. God bless you, Pastor. Hallelujah.